The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy, and I have two guests. I have the city clerk in, here in Malden, Greg Lucy, and I also have Bill Thompson, local activist. <laughs> the reason I had two guests, we had some elections yesterday, and uh, for some of us, because of the lack of exposure from other sources that we usually depend on, we may not know all the results, so we're here to bring you our views, overviews, and information that might be of interest to you as you pay attention to our show. Greg, uh, worked out well yesterday, no complications? There's always complications, but you get get through them, and we did, we certainly did. The local elections sometimes get more difficult because uh, a lot of motions run high. Um, There there was a few precincts that, you know, there's issues between candidates and that sort of thing, but you you deal through them, and it's just part of the... uh, the election process. Yeah, uh, one of the things that, uh, as an observer on the sidelines, uh, uh, this year's election, uh, there was um, like coalitions. People were grouped together as in, in, uh, in as as a, as a apparently a voting bloc. As although they're all running for office, sometimes running against each other in a sense. These were two apparently there were two different groups that were kind of aligned. In, in a lot of the issues that were coming up, even in lawn signs you might see in homes, there, there would be multi, multi-signs for the same office, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, this was definitely an election, which, I, I mean, you have a few more elections under your belt than I do, but I certainly have a few over the years, and I've never seen an election where you actually it was slates or blocks. So you either for one slate or one block, or you're going to vote the other slate or the other block. I mean, on Saturday, I had someone come to my house, rang my doorbell, I answered the door, and he had three pieces of literature for three different candidates, which I've never— You had the same thing in Ward 7. Yeah, you would, because you had a ward race. So those that had a ward race, there was two at-large candidates and a ward candidate that they seemed to be pushing, which, you know, I I, I think is a little odd, because a lot of times if there's five or six votes that you only have for that day and someone— is trying to. It's hard enough getting person to get one vote. Never mind um, three. Yeah, and um, the the other thing too would be that some in some instances the people that were aligned maybe don't always agree with each other. Um, I, I, listen, I, the results are what they are. So it yeah. certainly worked out. So you know, elect the the art of campaigning in elections have certainly changed over the years. Okay. And um, you know, there's a couple new candidates that uh, ran. You know, yesterday that. Yeah, that did very well, and there was a couple that fell a little short, but they still did well with the numbers. So, um, you know, the numbers are what they are. So, you know, now we get the chance to try to analyze what happened. Well, in, in looking at the uh, summary that I, get, I was able to obtain t- uh, before we sat down with to do the show, uh, the, the turnout was about 20% citywide, 
and wards three two and five two, which are the more residential wards in the city, had the highest turnout around thirty percent. And if you go back, that's not unusual. Three, yes, three right. two and five two are the two wards that uh, the two precincts and wards that historically every every election you're going to find out who 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 had the most voters was it three two or five two and they were always number one and two. Um, the, the 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 turnout was twenty percent. Which seemed to be the number. I actually got a call from a group in um, from Emerson College, and they asked my prediction. And I, you know, this was the other day. I said, "Well, twenty percent would be my prediction." You know, I said, "But don't hold me to it because it's it's kind of a guess." But if you look at that number, you know, in in the elections, two thousand nine, you have to take the elections for what they are, whether they're a state election, a presidential election, or a city election. City elections, they don't vote as much as they do in the other elections. So I I, I have some numbers here that if you look back. 2019 was a contested mayor election, which that would bring out more people than an election like yesterday where they're just council seats and a few school committee. That was only 27%, which that's not that high of a turnout for a contested mayor's election. But if you went to 2017, which was a, uh, an election similar to yesterday, there was 22% turnout. And if you went to 2015, which had a mayor's race, but there was no mayor's race. So it's kind of, again, the same thing, and there was 21%. So, so yesterday's turnout would actually, percentage-wise, look a little, little light. If you look at the, the, the people voting, it was more because we've added 4,000 people to the voting rolls since 2019. So, of course, the more people you add, it's harder to get that or at least attain the number that, you've been having. net ad? Net ad, almost 4,000. It was just under 4,000. Wow. And from 2015, it's over 6,500. So the the obviously in you know our census figures would have shown that the 2020 census where they were 66,263 residents in Malden, ten years ago the last census there was census there was 59,000. So the growth is in Malden. I mean we see the apartment buildings that have gone up. There's a definitely more people and you would have got a lot of people registering last year because of the last election because of the presidential election that sort of thing and they would be the people tend that tend to not maybe vote in the local elections yeah, yeah because a lot of people coming from other cities and towns they may not be staying in Malden very long so the chances of them even knowing candidates they're probably not as tuned in as you know they they would be if they had a state or a presidential election yeah, yeah um, one of the things that uh, just again looking over the numbers uh, in my own mind, uh, uh, and again, th things happen you're not always aware of until uh, you talk to other people across the city. But at the large race, uh, it kind of uh, unfolded on a, on a slow pace. Uh, uh, Karen Hayes uh, announced very early, and all of a sudden you had one at-large council decide not to seek re-election, and there was a second one that decided only to run in the local ward where he lives, which is Steve Winslow. So all of a sudden you had two vacancies, which usually would generate a lot of interest, but it was slow to build up to even six people. And then it ended up that uh, there were some credible people that came in the race, so he ended up with six. And one of them was John Matheson, who uh, had been a candidate for mayor uh, two years ago and had been on the council as at-large and at one time as, as ward councilor. And I mean, I thought that he had some advantages by virtue just of having him name recognition. So, when you think in terms of one of the incumbents running, so you say, well, he's going to win. And then yeah, I thought Matheson would win. And then it came down to the third seat. But as it turns out, Matheson didn't win. And it might be that he he came in late, and uh, 
therefore he didn't really get a chance to get that exposure they would have normally got if he'd get in earlier. Yeah, and, and name recognition for a council at large races is, you would think, is important because people get more than one vote, and people tend would tend to use more than one vote. Two so votes. Two, uh, yeah, usually average. two votes probably on average. They can use it, a third. It is. And, and, you know, to me, a council at large race is, you know, someone, a name recognition um, candidate would, would, it's a huge advantage uh, because the reality is most, it, you can go around to certain parts in the city, and as much as people say they campaigned in every neighborhood and every what, it's hard. It takes forever. You're not going to reach anybody. So obviously, if someone goes in the polls and they recognize a name and they have a vote or two that they can use, they're going to use it. And I, I think John is even though he's been out of out of out of um, uh, well out of office for two years only, and then he ran for mayor at the same time, you would thought just running citywide in a mayor's race. And um, you know, getting the votes that he got, that it would be an advantage in um, in that that election yesterday. And there's other candidates, that Kerry McDonald, say that was in the race that Kerry would probably be somebody that not many people knew six months ago. You know, he ran a very aggressive campaign. I can't tell you how many pieces of literature that I received at my house for, and I think a lot of people will tell you the same thing. He raised the most money, money. So he was able to do a lot of things, and you know, to his credit, I you know I have to give him credit. He ran a, a smart, good campaign, and he was able to finish in third. Whereas if you said six months ago and you asked me, I'd, I'd I probably would have told you, you know, John Matheson would have got that 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 seat because just because of the name recognition alone. Yeah. yeah, but even in finishing third, he was a close third to Absolutely. second, yep. which was impressive. And yep. then um, I again from my own perspective. Uh, um, when uh, Karen got in the race, which was a jump start, this was when other people were all going to run for re-election, maybe. Uh, I didn't think she was as, as uh, visible towards the end, but she had a, a lot of signs with other people across the city, and she did well in the in the west side of the city, you know, from Ward 2 forward. So in, in a sense, she was already building up a recognition. Maybe some of it had to do with her, her position with working for the city in the past. But in any event... Uh, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is Craig Spatafora not only had an aggressive effort through the newspaper, because he, there was a lot of articles that were in the uh, Advocate, and in addition to that, he was associated with, the, again, one of these two coalition groups that were running as a, as a, as a group, and yet uh, in topping the ticket, he got 47% of the vote. And I think uh, and you may be able to give me a better answer than I have, but I thought like, two years ago, uh, uh, Debbie DeMaria, who didn't seek re-election, got almost 70% of the vote, which was extremely high, uh, even though you get multiple choices. Uh, when, when I was active in running for office uh, uh, at large, the, the candidate used to top the ticket was Jackie Glenn, and I think the best he ever did was 57%. I was usually second, story of my life, and uh, uh, I'd get about 50% of the vote. But here, uh, Craig, who seemed to be more aggressive in this election than he has in recent ones, he, he got 47% of the vote. And uh, in some places, 7-2, he did very, very well, which, uh, again, he was doing uh, uh, parties with uh, Chris Simonelli, and, and uh, there was a big turnout in 7-2 in terms of the total vote, and he did very well there. And, of course, he did well in the western part of the city. But... Uh, there wasn't that much difference between him and Karen Hayes, and, and there wasn't much difference between Karen Hayes and McDonald. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I think, but but it's getting back to your block of voters. There, there was no question, and it was so visible 
whether it's looking at someone's lawn signs, you know, how they have, you know, people with multiple lawn signs on their lawn. You'd always have the same slate of candidates. You know, it's either this group or that group. And, you know, besides the guy coming at the door with the three pieces of literature, you know, I I think it was just an election that I've never seen on a local level where you might always get somebody that, you know, maybe silently they're rooting for somebody or maybe... You know, maybe they, if there's a real good friend in another, running for another position, not the same one you're running for, like the at-large race, you might support them. But if even if you looked at the financial um, records that were disclosed to us, you'd see multiple people that are running, donating to multiple candidates and on both sides. And I didn't I, know that. Yeah, I it was glaring. I mean, yeah. if you if if you look at the financial re- reports, which are online, cityofmalden.org. Um, you look at them and you can go down the list of who gave to who, and you'll see candidates supporting other candidates financially, which, you know, that that's another thing that I've, uh, you know, because you're trying to raise money on your own, so usually you're worried about getting money in your own coffers and, you know, to, to, to donate to other campaigns. It's just unusual. Well, plus the fact someone might donate to a candidate because they they, they have a... F- a reason to do it, of, uh, and there could be several different reasons, but they may not be too keen on the, someone else that's running, and they find out that the person that donated donated some of that money to that candidate, which is kind of a an odd way of uh, of campaigning. Yeah, it was a different election. There's yeah, no really. question. And, and, no uh, question. this is the first time you've seen that. That much of it. Yeah, you may get, like I say, you may get somebody that's, you know, maybe support somebody in the past. But not so many candidates or current office holders supporting, you know, uh, you know whether they're against running, uh, supporting other people that, you know, people you serve with. There was just a lot of that that, yeah. you know, before, and maybe that's just the way things are going to be moving forward. Maybe the way it's going to be going forward. Well, it, it could be. It could be. Who knows? You know, we'll just have yeah, to see. It was just that. different. Is that more efficient? Do you think, as far as spending money? Well, you'd have to you'd have to look. I'm trying to understand the motivation for the coalitions. Well, uh, the, you'd have to look at the results. So the results is obvious. You know so what, what's happened is the you know if you look at yesterday's results, there's some candidates that you know did well, and there's some other candidates that you would have expected to do better, and they didn't. And you just have to look at that, and, see, and that you can judge for yourself what works and what doesn't work, but. You know, it was a different. You're going to have to pour over the finances. Follow the money. Well, follow the money, and the, mm-hmm. like I say, there's you know, like Carrie, I know he he, he raised twenty eight thousand or something like that. That's a lot of money for a council, right? Rod's race. Wow. Uh, but there was others that raised money too, and then there was um, some of the uh, incumbents that uh, that were running for reelection. They seemed to not, you know, raise anywhere near that type of money. But I don't think they tried. You know, I think they were just running on because they. Uh, They've been elected and they're, you know, running on that, whereas, say, someone like a newcomer, you, ha- you have to spend money now. And, you know, the cost of mailings and, you know, cost And the of way you campaign, too. Yeah, and the way it's expensive. Yeah. The, the, uh, another kind of interesting thing, too, is that um, the unions uh, uh, at, the, at the state level donated locally to a bunch of people, again, like a collective group of people. And so when you saw the literature being dropped, there was endorsements um, by candidates from different unions, and and yet there were other unions that endorse other candidates who are running in the same uh, same mm-hmm. election, and uh, at the local level, uh, the police and the fire were very active in endorsing people and not endorsing people. So there's a telling message there, but the ones they endorsed sometimes won and sometimes they didn't win. So mm-hmm. again, that was kind of interesting because 
it shows in one way it's if you had the endorsement of the firefighters and the police you and you and you had a base to start with you say you'd be and you you'd have some financing uh, available from those sources plus with the with with the state unions and yet People won uh, uh, at large were a couple of candidates with strong union support. They won, but at the at the ward level, there's strong support in the, in the literature, but they didn't win. Yeah, and the, the the financial support that a lot of the unions gave that seemed like a lot more than normally they would give on local races as well. And in in the endorsements from the police and the fire, that's another thing I I really haven't seen that that I can remember anyways. And it was. You know, several candidates that they pro they they felt uh, you know t- t- speaks to their cause better than others, and they certainly were uh, very uh, generous with the endorsements. Yeah, and and uh, in the past, I think they're more focused on the mayor because he's the one that has involvement with their contracts and less less support from uh, the the councils because they normally would just be approving the 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 contracts that have been negotiated at the mayor's office and. Uh, the, so they might take a strong position depending on who was mayor uh, or who was running for mayor. And yet, at the uh, when you have eleven councilors, it's hard to determine who's your friend's going to be for, and who's not going to be your friend. But if being not your friend might mean you just didn't agree, but they don't they're not necessarily wrong in their opinion. One other thing that I uh, was looking at um, in some communities, the elections of school committee have become very emotional, very controversial, and yet in Malden. We had open seats for school committee. Uh, I think there were five incumbents ran unopposed. One of the open seats, in, which was Ward 4, there was, there was only one person who took up papers to run, so that person automatically won. And um, it would appear that even though there's issues that you might have because of the mask and other limitations within the schools, Marlin didn't show up in, the, in terms of fielding candidates who would who are going to be disruptive at school committee meetings or be very controversial, you're seeing on the on the television. So it was kind of a mild part of the election process, school committee. It, it, it tends to be that way, too, and you're right. I mean, sometimes you you watch those clips on YouTube or wherever you're watching it about the some of the school committee meetings over this mass stuff. is just unbelievable that parents are acting like they do, and it's just this hostile environment. It's, it's just amazing that one, something like that can just set people off like it can. Um, but the other thing, not to change gears back to the council races, now the, uh, the last bunch of city elections, really did you find ward councillors being challenged? But there was, there was only the only non-contested uh, ward race This was Paul Condon in Ward 2. You had the Ward 7 that was an open seat and Ward 6, um, you know, because this Council Winslow switching down there and Council Kamel leaving, uh, you know, created... Uh, somewhat of a uh, you know contested type of situation, but the other wards all had candidates, which you you, you haven't seen that in years past. Not that many people running against the incumbents. Yeah, yeah. and actually, mm-hmm. even the, in in the ones that were contested uh, uh, in Ward Eight, there was only margin of eighty votes that was for the winner, who was the incumbent. And in Ward Five, uh, the uh, the challenger carried one of the two precincts. And the vote was reasonably close, and the same as Ward 7, even though that was a, a rehash of, of someone who had been in office before and uh, years ago and ran ran again in Ward 7. So uh, the, the, there was some interest generation generated at that level. And, uh, um, again, like you mentioned, uh, Ward 6 had, had an open seat, but it was being challenged by at large Steve Winslow, who was not running at large, but running in Ward 6. So... 
So now you're recovering from the election, and, and uh, the, the May was not involved. It doesn't seem at all. So there's, there doesn't seem to be a, a, a groundswell of support of people looking to uh, make the ne next two years difficult for the current mayor. And uh, Marlon appears to be looking at money coming in, which is uh, not always available at the local level, so he might have a mild, a quiet two years and up to run up to the next election. Well, like any, any city in town, I mean, there's money available through all that's going on, and Malden certainly is getting their fair share, so it certainly allows you to do things that you would never even think of being able yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's restricted. I mean, you have to do, th you can't just spend it any way you like, yeah. and they have some good plans where there's 10 different uh, buckets of money, they're calling it, that each one is earmarked for you know, a certain item or, or a certain cause. And, uh, you know, it's quite a bit of money, you know, what they what they receive from the state, you know, $46 million or, wow. or some, the federal government, some, some, some figure like that. So they're, they're going to they're gonna have the opportunity definitely to do some things good for the citizens of yeah. Malden. Uh, we, we were talking early on about the 20%. Uh, um, to what degree was the right-in vote, excuse me, not the right-in vote, but to what degree was the early voting or the, or the absentee ballot voting, which has been available uh, for many years, uh, changed the, the terms of the total? It didn't really affect it. I, I, I thought because, they, because we were living under COVID rules until the end of December, whereas it's like the last presidential election, state election, people were able to have non-excused non voting, whereas it's just a mail-in ballot. Um, I, I thought it was going to play, a, to be honest with you, because it was so significant during the presidential election, I know it's the presidential election, but we got almost 18,000 mail-in ballots for that election out of 25,000 voters. So, I mean, the number was huge for that. So, you know, you know it's not going to be like that, but I, th I certainly thought people would take advantage of it. It's an easy process. You just give us the mail-in ballot application and we'll send you the ballot. But I, I don't know the exact number, but if we had a couple hundred of those, that was about it. That's it. Yeah, so I, I thought the I thought the candidates would push it as a way of making sure people vote because that's always your fear that you you have all this support and then you check the uh, who voted the day after the election and you find out your neighbor didn't vote, your cousin didn't you vote, and uh, it's, it's discouraging. But I think they pushed it, but I don't think the people wanted it. I, I think those that wanted to vote wanted to go to the polls, and I, I think that's what happened. So the mail-in ballot really really didn't play a significant role in yesterday at all. I'm surprised. Uh, last year with the um, presidential election, was it was more of a, obviously more of a factor for, for other reasons, if not, nothing else. It's a, it's a sign of the times then, which is different than they are today, would you say? Yeah, definitely. So, so we had those two uh, drop-off boxes. You know, we had the one in front of City Hall at 215 Pleasant Street like we did to last year. And then we also put another one down the police station just for those people on that side of the city. So... I would go down to the police station and empty it out, you know, regularly, every day, uh, twice yesterday, you know, just making sure. And if I got 20, 25 ballots out of there, it would be a lot. So it just shows you, it just, the mail-in ballots just didn't, didn't come into play. I mean, I, I thought it was a great way of, you know, a lot, you know more, the more people that vote, the better. And I just thought it was a great way of those that maybe don't vote all the time, that it's an easy mm -hmm. way of doing it, but it yeah. just didn't just didn't play out that so this election. Uh, in some ways, it, um, maybe it also suggests that 
make it easy, and then it isn't as much of an enjoyment or a, a, a privilege mm-hmm. that when you when you make it so that they can uh, convenience themselves rather than going to the polls in the weather, standing in line, which could happen, and all that sort of thing. So um, I, I'm a bit surprised to find that that source didn't generate more results. How about absentee ballots? For the whole, the whole, yeah. We, well, the norm, norm, there's probably a couple hundred people that pretty much on a regular basis get absentee ballots. We also did op- voting over the counter. Whereas, you know, probably the last two weeks of the, um, the election, anyone could have came up to the office to vote over the counter. You just vote. We, we, you know, we, we take the ballot. We, we secure it. And then the day of the election, that gets put in with the mail-in ballots and the absentee ballots. So it's counted at each poll. Um, but even someone like myself, I, you know, I had every opportunity to vote. I could vote over the count. I had the mail-in ballots in the application. I prefer going uh, to the polls with my wife. It's just something we've always done. And we, we, we always will. Well, so, good, because I thought you were going to say you forgot to vote. You were so no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but that, that's my point. So there's a problem, probably a lot, there's, there's mostly a lot of people like me that they, they don't mind going down there. Yeah. They, you know, it's, it's only twice a year usually, so it's not that big of a deal. Well, it's kind of social, right? Social. You get to see people, uh, yes, you no get doubt. to see who's holding the signs, who isn't, you know, no doubt. all that stuff. So. Well, we got the, uh, the ward races. There's nothing that occurred. Everybody that ran one that was suspected to win, or at least the incumbents all got returned, and the school committee people, like you said, uh, there wasn't much going can, on. Can I ask all. a question about the school committee thing? I mean, does that do you think that means that the school system is? It seems to be quiet, at least as far as the people running for it. Is that does it mean that our people are essentially happy with what they're seeing in the school system right now? Or, or, yeah, I, mean, I, I just think it's. I'm easy. not. I don't have kids in the school, so I, I need to be taught a lesson here. I mean, is there like burning issues that would would create a situation uh, in, in other places, maybe? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you, you know, we 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 changed to a, a board-based school committee back uh, in uh, yeah. 2000. I want to say 2000, and I should know because I I actually ran. That's where I. I ran and won, and I, I, the, the, I'm glad I did it, but the reason why I ran, now this was something new, ward base, instead of running at large, which is, yeah. you know, people look at that, you know, trying to run citywide is a, is a, is a tough, tough thing to do. Yeah. But ward base is, you know, it, it narrows it down. They had just built the new schools. They yeah. changed it so each ward would have their own representation. I remember at the time I had no desire or I wasn't going to run for ward uh, school committee at all, but at the time, the first year out, with the new schools, the new new system of ward-based school committee, there was only one other person that was running in Ward 5, and he was from the other side of the city, and no one seemed to know. At the time, I was trying to get someone to run you know, yeah. that would support him because my yeah. son at the time was just going into the Forestdale School, so you have interest, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, so I ended up running, and I won. But e- even from day one back then, they've had school committee races over the years that no one's pulled papers. So there was, a, there was one in Ward 6, uh, remember, there was a write-in campaign. There was, was one in Ward 1. So where they had no candidates on the different years, but no candidates on the ballot. In Ward 6? Six, uh, 6, there was once. Th- yeah, they had people take out papers and then turn them in. Turn them in. So, so there's no one on the ballot. Right. And, and there was, recently, there was one in Ward 1. There was no one on the ballot, so the, the write-in candidates won. So it, it, it's, it's, it's probably a little bit about probably hard, hard to get people... You know, run for political office. You have to have something inside you with politics, and maybe the maybe the, on the school committee level, it's just harder to get candidates. That's uh, 
I mean, I, I, I tend to think you obviously have much greater reason to run if you have a child in the school system, obviously, which you did at the time. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, but I'm still reading, I, and again, I don't know, but I'm assuming there's no major issues that would prompt people to, to, to uh, have an opinion one way or the other in the school system right now. So a lot of the time that I've seen over the years, if you're gonna, even when they close the shops at the high school, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you sometimes get issues like that. Yeah. Where, where it's a big issue to a lot of people, and you generate, you know, you get a bunch of people to the school yeah. committee meeting, and they, you yeah. know, they hang in SOS, save our shops, and. Uh. Um, but for the most part, a lot of times the, the parents, you know, their main focus is on their child. Yeah. So as long as there's not something going on terribly with their child with the school system, which they probably and, wouldn't. And be. mask wearing isn't something that bothers people in Malden. I we, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen where it's not not to the extent where it's enough to get someone totally upset that they'll disrupt the school committee meeting. I haven't yeah. seen it in Malden. Yeah. One of I the mean, they're actively requiring kids to wear masks. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. get you get a lot of pushback from the teachers, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned, maybe you can touch a little bit on that. You alluded to it earlier about the increased population in the community, which has some effect in terms of how you determine state reps and state senate districts and things like that. And my understanding from what little I do know is that more than at one time had like Ward f 3 and Ward 5 had four precincts. And um, at a minimum, it, it, two was not usual. And most of them had more than two. And now we're, uh, we're all, at least on the current basis, each ward is two precincts. But that's not going to be necessarily so in the next election. It can't be because of the population. Just if I could, so Malden has eight wards, two precincts, so you have 16 precincts in the city. Yeah. By law, you can't have more than 4,000 residents in a precinct. So the max for us is 64,000 people under the current eight, eight and two system. Our numbers came in at 66,263. So we're 2,600 over that number. So we can't keep uh, eight and two precincts. So uh, the city council, we drew up a map with eight, eight, precinct, eight wards and three precincts. The precincts are smaller, and there was some changes to the wards. We tried to keep the wards intact as much as we could, but we started in Ward 8 and just moved out west. And Ward 8 had the biggest population growth the last 10 years. So obviously when you're pushing eight out, you're hitting Ward 6, and now you're reaching the max because you have to, all the precincts have to have generally the same amount of n number. You have like a 5% ratio, give or take. So, but what I have, so eight stops, then, you know, obviously six is taking some of the old eight. You keep on moving, so there's some movement. Five takes some of the, uh, uh, some of the six ward because that's next. In, so anyway, so we, we passed all that with the city council. The map, the, the map, map, map has to be approved by the state, which they're voting on it Friday. Our problem is, since that time, the, the state legislatures changed how they do the, the maps. Usually the cities and towns do their maps first, send it in, it gets approved, then the state legislature does their map for congressional districts and their own districts. Yeah. They've changed that, so they want to go first. So they changed the law. So we sent something in that we know we're going to have to change. And our, our issue now is that the, the, we have three reps, uh, three reps, uh, in our in our city, in this their districts did not change one street, so now we have to fit our map into their map, 
which just complicates it now because under under the under the map that we've approved, we'd have to have eight sub precincts. So we're looking at different uh, options. Uh, we want to get the vote done on Friday. I'm planning on doing something at the council meeting next Tuesday, uh, getting the redistricting committee back together, and we'll have. So to you're saying eight wards, each one is going to have three precincts. You have to, yeah. So that's that's the initial yeah. that's oh, the initial okay. map that got approved yeah. by the city council. Yeah. But we knew, you know, when they when they voted on it, there was talk that you know, depending on what the state legislature did, we would be back at the drawing table. So there's some scenarios, you know, the the. Uh, uh, the uh, chair, chair of the now um, you just mentioned too that I just uh, that the, the largest population increase was in Ward Eight. Ward Eight, but that's not where the high rises are. They did, yes, well, they there have, is. They have uh, they have Overlook. They have Overlook. Kennedy Drive and, and oh, you know we the old, uh, ledge. Uh, yeah. yeah, we we see the high rises down the square, but Overlook is a huge, huge, huge complex up there in Eight, and so that 2010 oh. that wasn't Overlook. Huh? Yeah, so the old Rose Quarry, so. Oh, that, yeah. that was a big, big well, uptick in the is population. Well, that, is that, is that, that's, that's shared with Revere, Half of Revere, half of Malden, but the, the, but the Malden side. Is really, is where is, they're you know, It's a couple thousand in. people or something, yeah, it's a lot oh, of people. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. That also might suggest why, uh, of any of the precincts in the city, 8-2 had, uh, what do they have? 11%, uh, I think. 11? It had uh, 11% vote. And the reason is the high-rise people are often transit. They come and they go. They don't, they don't connect to the city in the sense that they don't identify being more than because they're not here long term. They're going out of islands too. Yeah. So, so there was a primary. I don't know if it was the last primary down there or the, maybe the, the the election before. Turnout in eight uh, two was three percent for primary. I forget who was on the ballot. Maybe it was just the maybe it was the election two years ago when there was a. Uh, School committee primary. School, I think it was. You know, some. So you have to have a primary, and it was three yeah. percent of the vote. That's three oh, percent. Yeah. Well, getting back to that, uh, if if you go, if it ends up you go to three precincts, and you currently have two, that means you're you're increasing precincts by fifty percent, and uh, that will be a big bump up in the cost of the city to run the elections because you'll have to pay all those people. Well, I've done all those numbers. So we've done, we've kicked those around, and we, we what we've done too is. The uh, the city has made a huge investment, and we we uh, our voting machines are 30 years old. So this past summer, we actually took bids, and we actually were going to replace them. So that was when we put the old 16 precincts, and to a cost of 160 thousand dollars because they're expensive. But we had to do it because the current voting machines. They're so old that if if if, if you have problems with it, the, the companies that we the company we do business with, LHS, our vendor, they would have machines like that, so you could just interchange parts. But now there's no more parts available. So I mean, 30 years is a long time to have voting machines. So did you have mechanical issues in the latest one? No, 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 we haven't. The no. Presidential election, we 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 had two precincts that had trouble opening, so we had to call LHS. They come right down and they did what they needed to do. But you, you, you're flirting with disaster because one of these days the machines just won't work. So, so what we did was we ordered 16 machines. So the, the cost of the 160,000, we haven't got them yet because of supply issues and all that stuff. But we'll have yeah. them for the next election. So now when we we, we voted in the tw 24 precincts, you have to say, well, guess what? 16 is not enough. So let's order. We had to order eight more. Yeah. 
So now you're up to 24 that you're waiting on. Now if you have to do something with four precincts, you know, if you have to change it again, you'll be ordering more. And that's that's even before, like you say, you're supposed to have six poll workers per precinct in, in your polling locations. So now all of a sudden you're going to have to double up because we don't have that many buildings in the city that all of a sudden if you go to 24, 27, well, how many precincts, yeah. there's not buildings that are available. And you might, have, you might have to pay the poll workers $15 an hour because the unions are saying that's the minimum wage for everybody and they don't get $15 an hour. We did increase it this election. <laughs> oh, you did? did? Yeah, we did. We did. So what about? Long time coming. Huh? Uh, it's it, the... the uh, Just the, a step up to, towards 50... Uh, I'd have to do the math, but 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 it is. It's a long day for them, so that's how it's it's hard to get poll workers because they look at it. It's you know the polls open at seven to eight, but you have to be there before seven, and you got to be there really after eight. So it's a long day, and and, and you know so it's we're trying, we're trying. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> we'll save that fifteen dollars an hour for another time. But again, uh, there's a lot happened yesterday. There's going to be some changes in the next election on the precinct situation which is a big factor, and uh, you might have to do a couple of rides around the city to find locations that, that, are, that you don't know about in order to accommodate the added precincts because in a couple of instances in recent years, you've lost the sites that you, you used to use for different reasons. Well, we're fortunate that schools are pretty good about having a professional development day the day of the election. Yeah. So if you have to double up on some schools, that's, I mean, that's what you'll yeah. have to do. Otherwise, there's, there's really no, there's not a lot of locations you can have. There's a couple we've been thinking about. You know, mm-hmm. if we need to, but but there's just not not a lot there. Yeah. You have to have handicapped. You have to. There's a whole bunch of things you need before you can even send it into the state who needs to approve it. I want to vote on my phone, so I'll. That's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that, that's coming off. in the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, we, 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 Apple Apple figure that out. You just hit nine one one on that phone, so you can do voting mm-hmm. on that. But mm-hmm. again, thanks for stopping by, my Greg. Pleasure. Appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate it. Very my informative pleasure. and. Uh, mm-hmm. For those people who weren't aware of what went on yesterday, they now know about all the things that they should have been aware of that they didn't get from t- MATV last night. In cityofmarlin.org, if they go on there, these results are on there. There's the finance reports well, on there. So it's if you if you if you're looking for interest in reading, sometimes for for us we like to read that stuff, right? Well, I'll <laughs> tell you. Uh, now that you mention that, uh, uh, you may be interested to find out uh, sometimes who your neighbors. Are supported in the election by the by the, the who they gave checks to so yeah. that'll be interesting reading in those dull nights when and there's not much new on TV so and if I could just end before I leave I want to thank everybody for running yesterday and let the winners in there's no losers yesterday there's people you know that maybe that came up a little short but there was there was really some good showings even though you're a little off I think we've all been there that have run for office so don't let it get you down and thanks for running a you know a good campaign I've often said that the, uh, everybody should run at least once because mm-hmm. then they would appreciate what people go through who do run, whether they, those people win or lose. They do tr- make the effort, and uh, sometimes it's easier to stand on the sidelines and complain. But I agree. If, you, if you're in, you may have more of appreciation of what the process is all about and how difficult it is to be, even when you have a good platform or a good personality or whatever, that to win. Yep, I agree. All right, thanks Good, a lot. Thanks again. Oh, yes. All right, all right. <laughs> Thank you. I have one. I have one community announcement, uh, and uh, it has to do with the post office. And I've mentioned this before, but there is an open house uh, at the post office here in Malden on uh, Mountain Avenue for people that may be considered working uh, for the post office. And um, 
it's it's tomorrow from and this is of course going to be Thursday because this is show is going to be on Wednesday night. It's going to be Thursday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's an open house, and you can learn a little bit about it, a lot about um, the benefits of the post office pays. Also, of course, uh, what the job entails. And uh, the thing to keep in mind, uh, number one, is uh, men and women are both eligible for employment. Uh, age is ne- not necessarily a factor, as it's sometimes in positions. But if you like working outdoors and if you enjoy the uh, interacting with people and uh, you do very might perform a public service by the post office does in many ways, more than just delivering the mail. And um, the starting salary, um, ha- and it has benefits, by the way, that you, is, a, is important sometimes as a salary, but the, the wage is about $18.50 an hour. Wow. And that that doesn't include overtime, which which could be available. And um, I know also, although it's not thought of as, a, as part of the job, but you do have a perk because... Being what you have to do as a mailman, a, a delivery mail to people, all kinds of weather and uh, under difficult circumstances sometimes, um, you sometimes people remember you at Christmas. So it's a, little, it's a little extra. But anyway, so if you're currently looking for employment, you enjoy the outdoors, and uh, it, it, once you're uh, hired and you go through the probationary period, there are opportunities for transferring from the delivering mail if you don't want to do that for definitely to uh, working inside as a clerk assuming you can transfer with an opening or you can drive the truck picking up the, the box mails that people drop in and other things you can do on, in the post office so again for someone that uh, looking for change or is in between jobs give it a little bit of thought and if you're not sure go to the post office tomorrow from 11 to, to 4 and you'll find that uh, there may be enough there for you to pursue it further. And ah, that takes care of that. I also, um, not only elections were involved in yesterday, but there were some interesting elections uh, countrywide. And, and obviously, city of Boston has first, for the first, has a, a, a not only as a, a, an elected woman, mm. but they keep talking about the, a woman of color, although I don't know where one of those women is, looks, doesn't look like she has color, but I don't know where how that works. Oh, she was Arab American. Yes. I, you know, this color thing. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't necessarily think of Asian Americans as, uh, you know, uh, some sort of. I mean, I think of them as a separate group, but I, I, I don't think of them in terms of color. I, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of a. Kind of a weird. I think it's kind of insulting in some ways. It's like the tone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, it's kind of referring back. Oh, they're yellow skinned or something, and that's not true. And you know, it, it's it's kind of demeaning. So yeah, I don't I don't think of you know to say of color. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah. Well, one of the things is um, Boston, obviously. Uh, by the way, although it didn't come up, I think currently in Malden, based on the past census, um, people are. Uh, who are white are a minority now in Malden. So I think white people who who, who uh, define themselves as white, although again, I'm not quite sure I agree with that kind of a category either, is about 40% of our population here in Malden. 60%. Yeah, of, I have a problem with defining what a, the white population yeah, is. Yeah. 60% of Malden's population either identify as Hispanic, people of color, or mixed. And the, the um, I read an article recently where uh, the indication is that people of color represent about one 
six of the people who are getting married or are married because it, it used to be a uh, an un- unusual whether it was done with the movies with the uh, movie the call there was movie years ago Jean Crane I think was in the pinky which she was passing as white yeah. and I think that was not uncommon and uh, p- it was such a difficult thing socially and and, and, and uh, politically and economically and educationally to uh, to move ahead if you're a minority and now now today I don't think it has much it, there's still some difficulties but it's not like it used to be and people who have uh, mixed Marriages or whose whose um, ancestry maybe close generations are not necessarily white or of, of color or whatever and Asian maybe they 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 now indicate that on their statistical information when they fill forms out so therefore it's now more common than it's ever been. Mm. But um, well, but you know the the uh, Michelle Wu. All right, so she's Asian American. She's a woman. But she's also not from Boston originally. She's from Chicago. Correct. And the other woman, uh, and I can't even pronounce her name, Elise, uh, remember, uh, whatever. Yeah. She was from Dorchester. And she actually, in the latter part of the, uh, she was actually using her accent as much as possible to kind of play that, you know, uh, the insider, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from here. Well, she and, did. And uh, that didn't work either, so. She, and she also did that with a, a concession speech last night, uh, emphasized the fact that, aside from being a woman, which was one of the two women in the final election, was that she was from Boston. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it, we were at one time in Charlestown of South Boston, uh, the parts of Dorchester, that might have been a big factor in how you voted. Uh, that yeah, so just, I, yeah, I don't, think it, I don't think it's that big of a deal well, anymore. Well, it just proved it wasn't because... Uh, um, Wu, um, Councilor Wu got a lot of endorsements, mostly all of, it, uh, of the political p- high-profile people either were silent or, sub- or endorsed her, which was to her advantage. But again, it showed that maybe the fact you went from Boston in public schools or parochial schools, but you came from out of state, is less important than what you stay and what you're going to do and what you've done. Yeah. yeah. I... Uh I uh, was impressed by the fact that in the Globe this morning, I was reading the, uh, you know, their article about it, and uh, Roger Lau was uh, who's been uh, uh, affiliated with uh, Elizabeth Warren, but another Asian American and a dear friend of Susie's, my wife, uh, he was the main source of that, and he was obviously very proud of the fact that uh, another Asian American has attained. Uh, uh, progress in uh, in Boston, but uh, I hope it catches on. I, I mean, I hope it gets more Asian Americans interested in the political process, and well, uh, it, you know, and I hope it starts to spread to Malden and other places. You know? And what appears to have happened, and maybe that's kind of the way it works socially, is that there's been a, a, a substantial uptick in um, prejudices and and civic uh, unrest, and also. Um, Difficulties for Asians Americans at, at different levels. You know, if you look, if you go back uh, years ago uh, at the t- top-notch colleges, um, there was a, a subtle uh, a silence uh, about, for instance, Jewish people applying for colleges. There was a quota system in a lot of schools, and um, the result was that 
students who were Jewish who had applied uh, were not uh, approved to be students because they didn't want to have a higher percentage of a certain amount, which made no sense because in theory and in fairness, you should stand on the merit of your qualifications, not on the fact of where, where you're right. from or what school you went to or what church you attended or if it was a church at all. And now the same thing has happened with the Asian population there. Um, families are very aggressive about wanting their children educated, and the Asians are strong for education in many instances, and very, very strong aptitude for technical schools, whether it's IT stuff or science stuff. And the result is schools have transferred this um, cap or, or, or whatever f to, towards the Asian students because in a lot of instances, when you add up all the applications and you, and you look at the qualifications, they're the ones that on paper deserve to be a, uh, admitted to the school. So what the school does is they limit how many they were going to allow in, which is, again, unreasonable and unfair and it seemed to a great degree un-American. Yeah, it, it, it is. But, I mean, obviously if a school was all one race, one would have a problem with that as well. So there, it, it's a very complicated issue as to... Uh, um, you know how they create the mix. Well, with with the uh, with the new mayor of Boston, it's a, it's a um, it's an achievement and a, a great achievement. Truthfully, if if you think about it, for anybody to be elected mayor for a city that size, and uh, but also there's a great a great burden because now you're going to be ref reflective not only of the city's uh, future but also at the same time. Everything you do might be put under a microscope, and therefore there'll be a lot of. of, of difficulties that normally wouldn't be a, given to the new mayor, but the, the fact you're coming in as a, a woman, you're coming in as an Asian, and you're coming in under a, a, the change in this, that's within the city population, it'll be an interesting time for anybody who's mayor, particularly someone who's a... a, a, a yeah, now this is where the rubber hits the road, right? I mean, now she's, a, she's everybody's, you know, thinks it's wonderful and stuff, yeah. but uh, yeah. her policies might still start clashing with different yeah. agencies and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, w I was listening to the results last night. I wasn't surprised in Virginia. I, I think that uh, 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 the Democratic nominee made some missteps. Uh, one was dealing with the, uh, which we talked about in Malden, but the, um, uh, you know, the, this mask and the school stuff, which is a very strong issue in, in other areas. In the, and uh, he made some some statement relative to let the schools run the schools and parents let the kids go to school, but it isn't always that simple. Yeah. And um, the, the opponent of Republican had two things to his advantage. One was that he separated himself a little bit from the from Trump, and more important than that is, uh, as part of the running, he, he he didn't have a primary where he had a lot of a, a decisive if things that happened. And, he, and not having held office before, he didn't have a lot of baggage. So, you know, it's, it's easy to run when you tell them what you're going to do where you don't have to explain what you've already done or haven't done. So uh, I wasn't surprised. And my, my information I had before I came to the show today was there was a 7,000 vote spread between the Democrat, who was the incumbent in New Jersey, and the Republican. But the Republican is, at this point, ahead by 7,000. But there's a lot of write-in votes were absentees they haven't counted yet so that might make enough difference as it did in the presidential election to, to make so they haven't decided that one yet no to my knowledge no one's picked a winner on that one but that, um, um, these are difficult times and uh, those are two elections that uh, suggest that the Democrats had better start checking them, their approach their uh, 
the the, the fund the police lost in Minnesota, which was which was a good thing that happened. Uh, I mean, that was a, uh, made no sense at all. I didn't think uh, that you don't solve one problem by creating another one. But that, uh, uh, but the Democrats are uh, hooked with this business of. Uh, being too liberal, you know, whether it's social spending, whether it's social yeah. issues, and uh, they they paid the price, and they, maybe they're they a little sharp on some of their candidates, and maybe they need to get some, bring some young people on board. Um, but it, uh, those elections, in and of themselves, it, it, the, the the fact that there was a change in uh, party designation winner in Virginia is consistent with what has happened the past forty years there, and. The same is true in in New Jersey that the uh, uh, incumbents don't always get don't often get reelected. So uh, that again, but the way it's done now is it's Democrat Republican is Trump versus anti-Trump, and so things that don't have as much meaning end up having too much significance and not really it's not a real fair assessment. Um, and and if you really look at the the presidential election, uh, the last one. The Republicans, Republicans overall, countrywide, other than the presidency, did well. They, they yeah. overtook governorships. They ended up um, winning legislation, and they're going to be the ones doing the redistricting, and so, which they wouldn't have been able to do if they didn't have the. What's the, what's the count on these congressional seats that were up? Did did was there a, a plus minus thing going Today? on? Yeah, Yesterday, yeah. I mean, well, uh, it was there was one there was one open seat they talked about last night, but it was Republican territory anyway, and he did get he was successful. So I don't think there's a lot of meaning to that. But historically, um, in the off year election, which would be the next year. The out of power power uh, party ends up gaining seats, which I think the Democrats only lead by not, only have a majority of nine seats currently. And if you lose seats, you'll end up um, being a minority in the House, which is could very likely happen. And in the Senate, it's fifty-fifty, and part of the reason for that is. If if you really look at it from an objective perspective, uh, the, there were two open seats for Senate in the, after the, two special elections uh, and runoffs in Georgia, and the Democrats won both of them, and that's the reason why they got fifty mm. votes. And so yeah, but they 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 really haven't got the fifty votes as shown by, you know, and that's what disappoints a lot of people. I mean, you know, they they thought when Biden won the election and that the Senate was 50-50 or whatever, and, and and supposedly the Democrats now have the control of the Senate, the House, and the presidency. They thought there was something that was going to get done, right? And now you've got these bills that are stalled primarily because of infighting amongst Democrats. Two. two yeah, two, yeah two, two. a lousy two. And most people don't realize that. They just think that, oh, the Democrats are just, they just can't get anything done. Well, and that's their disappointment in general. Yeah, but some of that goes back to Biden. Uh, when uh, he, he came across as a candidate that um, would, would get people t- uh, to come together, aside, yeah, right. for, aside no, from party that. affiliation. Yeah. And um, Trump, if you look at the numbers, um, he didn't do. He didn't win the election, and people that voted for Biden also voted for Republicans at the state level and at the congressional level, because they didn't want Trump, and they took Biden. And and uh, ironically, the the virus was a factor in Biden getting elected because 
I, I, I don't think he's up to what stamina-wise to do the kind of campaigning you normally have to do to run for president, but because of the, the confinement required by the virus, he was able to campaign a lot from, from his home and on television and press conferences, so he didn't have to meet and greet people across the country in a, in a very hectic schedule. So uh, I think in its own way that was a help to him. And then the election itself came down to a, a, a pro-anti-Trump. Uh, Party designation became less a, a, a reality, and I think people went with the safe bet, which was Biden rather than Trump, and that's why Trump didn't win. But now, with ha what happened on the border, what happened in uh, Afghanistan with, with some of these other issues, Biden has not come across uh, as an effective leader at this point. Well, because he said, I, I, I can work with, uh, you know, I've been a senator for a long time and I can work behind it. And he has been unable to do it with those two, with those two um, senators. But he also and, uh, you know, hence the whole issue is still being hashed out in uh, uh, who knows if they're going to get that vote through or not? Yeah, and by the time it, go, it goes, it's, it's probably the situation where no one's happy. And um, you, uh, you know, then you have rumors that the senator from West Virginia is thinking of switching parties. So, well, yeah, and, yeah and, I know. And and and, uh, and, the, and the senator and it and it kind of gets me that they should have known that he was going to take that approach because he's been in a, a while. But they should have known he was not going to be. I don't know it. it it just seemed, and I don't. I still don't understand his motivations. Either that, and with that cinema, I, I don't understand either one's motivations. Yeah, she's a senator from Arizona, and uh, well, um, we're we're going through very difficult times at the national level, and uh, you may be back here a few months more. We'll be talking about the same thing, but uh, <laughs> I think the the president is coming back from a, a international conference with not much done. He's in mm. the the French have been alienated at least temporarily by what went on in Australia with the with the submarines and mm. um, the president uh, as well intended as he might be uh, I don't understand why he put so much focus on the meeting with the Pope I mean that's important in some ways but that's a personal thing and I don't think necessarily that's a big thing as far as dealing with the international issues at the at the presidential level but anyway what will happen is that. Uh, the two groups in the Senate and in the, in the, in the House as well, they, they, I can't imagine how people will be so far apart they can't deal with the, the, the for the betterment of the country. And they, they, I know, it's, I know. It's just uh, so disappointing that uh, personal egos or, um, as someone once attributed, that the important things in life is your family and maybe um, is, the, is the country, but party is certainly not the top two. But you know, on that mm -hmm. note... Thanks for listening. I hope we've given you some information to think about and look forward to talking to you again in the near future. And the show will be run on Saturday at 7 and then Sunday at 10 o'clock. I didn't realize we have a podcast, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's very important. A podcast. And the man behind the scene is James. Mm -hmm. right, right there with the mask on, hiding his identity, but I, <laughs> I know who he is. Thanks again, James. I'll be getting the podcast. <laughs>